This anointed teaching by Apostle Theo Volmerans comes to you from Christian Family Church International. Bow your heads. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this wonderful night. Thank you for healing so many people here from so many terrible diseases the devil has tried to put on them. But you're bigger than the devil, Lord. We thank you, dear God, for your goodness and mercy. And as I come to teach tonight, I make it known that I'm not trusting or depending on limited human abilities to teach. But I am trusting in you. Therefore, I know without doubt that you anoint my mind, that I might grasp the revelation that will rise in abundance from my heart within. I thank you for supernatural recall of the scripture. And I believe that your word will flow from my mouth smoothly, accurately, clearly, without hindrance from anything, carried by your anointing power and love to each person's mind, bring understanding, removing confusion, that your will enter every heart, bringing faith, dispelling every fear, in the name of Jesus. And everybody who loves the Lord said, Amen. Praise God. You may be seated, family. You just don't have any idea how much God loves you. You just don't know. You are God's children. Say, I'm God's child. Again, I'm God's child, and God loves me. How God intervenes in humanity. Exodus 3, verse 1. One day Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro, the priest of Midian, he went deep into the wilderness near the Sinai Desert, Sinai Mountain, the mountain of God. Suddenly the angel of the Lord appeared to him as a blazing fire in a bush. Moses was amazed because the bush was engulfed in flames, but it did not burn up. Amazing, Moses said to himself, why isn't that bush burning up? I must go over to see this. When the Lord saw that he had caught Moses' attention, he called to him from the bush, Moses, Moses, here I am, Moses replied. Do not come any closer, God told him. Take off your sandals, for you are standing on holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Moses, when he heard this, he hid his face in his hands because he was afraid to look at God. Without Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, there would be no nation of Israel. They were the beginning of Israel. And without Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, there would be no church on earth today. No Christians. God's plan to bring about a family, to live with him for eternity in heaven, began with Abraham. God prepared Abraham and Isaac and Jacob as vessels so he could accomplish this task of bringing a family to the earth through their lives. The way that God deals with them is how God deals with us today. 
the way that God prepared them for this important task so that he could work through them is how God prepares us today. And Jesus said this in John 5, 19, I assure you, the son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the father doing. As Jesus is walking around ministering to people, he'd have visions of what he was going to do next. When he saw himself pray for somebody, next moment that person came, and then he went and did what he saw in the vision. God showed him everything ahead of time. He just carried it out. He only does what he sees the father doing. This is what Abraham had to learn. He had to learn to follow God, be led by the Spirit of God. That the God, that God the Father is the initiator and directs all things. All of us must learn that. The Father God is the initiator and the director of all things. He initiates our actions and directs our actions. Now, I'm not talking about claiming our inheritance. I'm not talking about what I shared this morning about exercising your authority. That is about claiming what God has done for you now as you pursue the will of God and carry out the purpose of God for your life. But I'm talking here about destiny-defining decisions. I'm talking about your future. What church should you belong to? That's the most important decision you have to make besides who you marry. What church you belong to. Because it's in that church that God will teach you from the word to prepare you to fulfill your destiny. It's in that church that you will fulfill your purpose as well by ministering in that church. So not only will you fulfill your ministry in that church, but you'll be prepared by the word that comes forth from that pulpit to do whatever God's called you to do in the marketplace as well. And your children will all be impacted by that. Don't ever underestimate what God can do for you and your children because of the word you receive from this pulpit. The importance of finding a church that teaches the word is imperative Imperative, not only for your fulfillment of your purpose in life, but for your eternity. Your eternity, your eternal rewards. Because you will become active in the kingdom and be rewarded for it. What city you go and live in? You don't just go and live in a city because you want to go live there. You don't do that. You don't just marry anybody because you want to marry them or because you fall in love. Before you even fall in love, ask God, is this the person you've chosen for me? Because you might be called to marry Fred Bloggs and you haven't met him yet. But Joe Soap looks really good. So you marry Joseph. Now you have Joseph's children. And your children never get born. 
Your children never get born. Then you have sons-in-law or daughters-in-law that you are never supposed to have. Now you're mixing a whole new circle of friends you are never called to mix with. You can't figure out why your life is upside down. But if you'll repent, God can fix that. God can fix that. And he implement and he will implement plan B for your life and bless you. But before, before you get down that road, it's very important to seek God before you fall in love. Can I have an amen? amen. Look at Acts 17, 26 on the screens. From one man, God made every nation of men, that's from Adam, that they should inhabit the whole earth. And God determined the times set for them. In other words, God determined when they should be born. And God determined that you should be born in the end times, right here, right now. And the exact place, God determined the exact places where they should live. Say this, God determined the exact city I should live in and the exact time I should be born. Say this, God has a very clear plan for my life. Say, I'm not an accident. Praise the Lord. When God's grace reveals this to us, that God has a plan for me, from that day on, we'll realize how helpless we are without God. We should always listen to our heart in all our decisions. Then we will recognize when destiny-defining decisions arise. Not every decision is a destiny-defining decision. I chose this red tie or maroon tie. I didn't have to fast and pray about that. I didn't even ask God. I just put it on. Right? It's not, a it's not going to affect my destiny. But moving to a city, I have to wait and seek God. Who I marry, I have to wait and seek God. What church I go to, I have to wait and seek God. Because that will affect the outcome of my destiny. My destiny might change direction altogether. So this among our everyday decisions are some that are irreversible. I choose and the moment passes and I seal my destiny. You set the course that cannot be changed. Some decisions are final, family, and irreversible. We need to recognize them when they come. Destiny-defining decisions must be prayed about. And God the Father makes those choices for us. 
He is the initiator of that. We'll see this unfold in the life of Abraham. Abraham and his family, they were moon worshippers. They were pagans. Genesis 12, 1. Then the Lord told Abram, Leave your country, your relatives, and your father's house, and go to the land that I will show you. I will cause you to become the father of a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous. And I will make you a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. All the families of the earth will be blessed through you. All the families of the earth will be blessed through you. So Abraham departed as the Lord had instructed. And Lot went with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he left Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, and all his wealth, his livestock, and all the people who had joined his household at Haran and finally arrived in Canaan. Now look at verse 3 again. God said in verse 3, All the families of the earth were blessed through you. All the families of the earth were blessed through you. Did you see that? Now, let's think about that for a moment. God did not say, If you will go, I'll bless all the families of the earth. Did God say that? Look at that verse. God did not say, if you will go, I'll bless all the families of the earth. He didn't say that. Didn't say that. He said, I'll bless all. He said, I'll bless you, and you will carry the blessing to the families of the earth. You will carry the blessing. I'll bless you, and all the families of the earth will be blessed through you. Through you. You will carry the blessing. Just you, Abraham. The entire earth's blessing will be in you. You must not fail. In other words, God's blessing the whole earth and it's coming through one man, namely Abraham. Think about that. Think about that. Abraham will be the father of the blessing to the whole earth. He'll be the father of the blessing to the whole earth. Through Abraham, all the old prophets came. All the old prophets came, born through Abraham. Moses was born through Abraham. Jesus was born through Abraham. And the church came through Jesus through Abraham. God did all of this to bring about his own personal, eternal family, which we are part of. Thank you, Jesus. Can we see how God planned our redemption? How God intervened in the life of humanity, which was lost and bound for hell. Abraham did not volunteer to go to the land flowing with milk and honey. God had to appear to him and tell him to go. Those who learn to know God as the Father, those who learn to know God as the initiator, are no longer boastful and arrogant with self-confidence. Those who know God as the initiator and the Father are no longer bold with self-confidence. 
They don't talk down about other people. They don't criticize other people. They don't want, because they want to know if it's God's will before they do anything. What does God say about this? That's their attitude of heart. Until we realize like Abraham that God is the father, the sovereign initiator, we cannot function as God's sons. We cannot be a son or a daughter in the house of God until we realize God makes all the decisions. Jesus said, I can do nothing unless the Father show me first. And I read that to you. Jesus is the ultimate example of a true son. <clears throat> the Lord is not saying that we should pray about what color tie to put on. The Lord is saying that whatever we do, we should make sure that all our decisions are made in the place of peace with God. Peace with God. In harmony with God's will. Whatever choices and decisions you make in life, make sure it's in harmony with the Word of God and it's in harmony with God's purpose for my life. Then we're free. Just be led by the Spirit. That's ultimate freedom. In other words, that we are walking in the approval and blessing of the Father at all times. So this, I need to walk and the approval and the blessing of the Father at all times. Romans 8.14, the New Testament, it says, Those who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. They are the sons of God. You see, those that are, being, that are, that are making themselves subject to God's Spirit guiding them, they are realizing God is the initiator and not them of their destiny-defining decisions. And so they become sons of God because they're yielding to the Spirit of God. I'm only talking about destiny-defining decisions here, not the everyday choices. In other words, those who are available. That means, number one, they're capable of being used by God. Number two, they're at God's disposal. Number three, a person is free, not otherwise occupied, free to be available to God. So many Christians in the world today want to be saved. So many Christians in the world today want to go to heaven and be saved. But God, don't interfere in my life. I want you to save me. But don't ever tell me what to do, because I want to live my way. We don't have any of them like that in here. Are we glad? This is what qualifies someone to be a son in the father's family. The son is submission to the spirit of God's guidance, just like Jesus. Others are Christians but they're not submitted to the guidance of the Holy Spirit. They want to do their own thing. They are born again Christians, but they're not sons. They're not sons. They're not daughters. They are in babyhood 
stage, babyhood stage of Christianity. Babies run out into traffic without even thinking about it. So who are the sons of God? These are the ones who are led by the Spirit of God, those who let God initiate their decisions. Let's talk about Isaac. Isaac was a very ordinary man. No great achievements took place in his life. He inherited all of his father's wealth. He inherited all of his father's authority. The lesson that Isaac teaches us is that we have nothing of our own. Everything we have is inherited from our father. Everything we have is an inheritance from God. That's the lesson we learn from Isaac. And the Bible confirms that. 1 Corinthians 4, 7 says, What makes you better than anybody else? What do you have that God hasn't given you? So this, everything I have was given to me by God. And if all you have is from God, if all you have is from God, why boast as though you have accomplished something on your own? Say this, I cannot boast of ever accomplishing anything on my own because God did all things through me. Imagine two five-year-old little boys playing <clears throat> and you give each of these little boys a car to play with. And imagine they're playing around with these little cars and then you give the one little boy an extra additional car. So one little boy's got two cars and the other little boy's got one car. Now imagine the little boy with two cars gets proud and starts thinking he's better than the other little boy because he has two cars and the other little boy only has one car. I'm better than you. How foolish would that be? Since he did nothing to earn those cars, they were given to him. So what gives him the right to think he's better than the other little boy? Salvation is a gift that's received. Is this true? Going to heaven is a free gift received, true? Did you work for that? You can't. Victory from God in life is a gift that's received, is that true? Justification, being declared innocent and forgiven for all of our sins is a gift we received, is that true? Freedom Freedom is a gift from God. Is that true? Wisdom is received as a gift from God. Is that true? Did you make yourself wise or God? Did you make yourself wise or did God? God. It's a gift, right? The wisdom you have. Physical well-being is received. It's a gift from God. Is this true? Everything around us is received as a gift from God. Is this true? The planet, the stars, the sunshine, the rain, the birds, 
the, the ground to walk on, the oxygen. Is this all a gift from God? Or did we make it? How great are art. So everything around me is received as a gift from God. All the promises God made to Abraham were passed on to Isaac, and they are passed on to you. It's a gift from God. Because even though we know everything comes from God by receiving, in our pride, we still try to do things in our own strength. We still try to do things without trusting God, without using our faith. Anything that's done without faith is a sin. Say this, Father, you're working through my life. As I go to work tomorrow, as I go to work tomorrow, I will succeed because you are working through me and enabling me to be successful and fulfill your plan at the office tomorrow. Now that's a totally different approach. Now you're engaging faith and God's working the whole day. The whole day. See the difference? Now you're not going in your strength, you're going in God's strength. That's what we're talking about. So in our pride, we still try and do things in our own strength and ignore trusting the Lord. Even though we know everything comes from God. Our good looks come from God. Our intelligent razor-sharp brain comes from God. Our money comes from God. Our nice car comes from God. Our nice house comes from God. But we still get proud because we have these things. We still get proud. We get proud of our muscles. We look in the mirror. <laughs> we get proud of our good looks. We look in the mirror. I'm hot. <laughs> we get proud because we have these things. We think we are important because we have these things which God has given us. That just proves once again that we are in babyhood stage Christianity. Hello? We're in babyhood stage Christianity. Instead of being proud, God gave them to us not to make us proud, but God gave them to us so that we would praise Him and worship Him and have a gratitude heart of praise. God blesses us for praise. And if we'll praise Him, the blessings will come so more praises can come. Remember this, say this, praise and the blessing go together. Not the blessing and pride, the blessing and praise. Yeah. 
Praise him with humble hearts of gratitude. Sincere, humble hearts of gratitude for all his goodness, for everything we've got. One reason for this is the flesh, the flesh, the natural life is still present in us. The old natural life, the old man, still present in us. The old flesh needs to be put to death on the cross. There's only one good thing for the flesh, that's crucifixion. Jesus said, unless you take up your cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. He's saying the flesh will stop you from following me. You'd be too busy living for yourself, you can't follow me. Crucify the flesh so that I can obey God. Stop living for me, start living for Christ. Anyone out there? Only then will we obey the Father and function as true sons of the Father. Only then. I'm just getting into something here. But I'm, I'm sharing with you how God initiates the salvation of the human race. How God works in us until he can work through us. We're talking about how God prepares us and we're getting our heart right. We're letting God circumcise our heart. We're cutting off, depending on the flesh, and we're cutting off the sins of the flesh. Say this, I have no self-confidence. I have faith confidence. God is my strength. God is my life. God is my wisdom. God is my ability. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He blesses everything I do. He orders my steps. I have no self-confidence. I'm circumcised of heart. I do not depend on self. I'm a faith man, a faith woman. I have faith confidence. I'm bold as a lion because God is with me. God is in me. God is for me. I cannot fail because he fights my battles. Praise God. Give the Lord some praise in the house. Thank you for joining us during this episode of Living Life with Dr. Theo and Bev Volmerantz. We hope that through this inspired teaching, you had an encounter with God. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev Volmerantz and would like to enjoy more resources, we hope you will visit our website at www.christianfamilychurch.co.za or for our American listeners, www.christianfamilychurchsa.com.